politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight once again for our bodily autonomy, our life, our liberty, property. If you are willing to turn on your mind and shut off the mindless media, this is your place, independent conservative talk. Daniel Hurwitz, your host, back here on this fine Thursday, March 24th. And it truly is amazing watching some of my colleagues call themselves conservatives, how they shut their minds off completely and allowed the sewer pipe to serve as a conduit into their brains after swearing they wouldn't buy into the next new thing, the current thing, after having been hoodwinked for one to two years on COVID fascism, well, they're at it again. They're at it again. This new world disorder. Um, the U.S. is now accepting 100,000 Ukrainians. Interesting. Um, I did want to mainly focus, as we've been doing this week, on the poison, the excess deaths. We're going to have Ed Dowd on again to discuss his latest data. But I just want to start a little bit with this. You know, we've taken in 3.7 million in our own hemisphere from our border over the last few years. And those are the ones we caught. Okay, you know, easily 1, 2 million we didn't catch. Criminals beyond belief. We took in 100,000 Afghans, completely unvetted. And now we're responsible for Europe's problem as well. We are second-class citizens. That's what America's become about. It's become about everything and everyone except for the people that charter dictated our government should represent and for the things it should represent. No, we are last. We're always put last. Our government caused the conflict overseas, then brought Americans, you know, brought brought them here. This is what this has been the modus operandi: get involved, induce these civil wars. It used to be Sunni Shia, now it's this you know ethnic Slavic civil war that's been going on for a while. Our government has been inducing problems, causing a color revolution in 2014, funding Zelensky with weapons before this year, by the way. You know, so he's been fighting the ethnic Russians in the East. Again, it's not all one-sided. And then weakened our deterrent, weakened our energy independence. And this is all done by design. Because this is the second half of the ball game. This is the second phase of the Great Reset. Okay, it all ties back in. It's the second half of COVID fascism. It's to acculturate ourselves to a new normal so that we wouldn't go back to the true normal after their first Great Reset. They had to make sure they had something prepared right away so that we would never relearn how to live normally. And this is what it, you know, the, why they're screwing with the supply chains all over again. It's not about Russia. It's not about Putin. It's just using a very sympathetic talking point to screw with our supply chains, induce further supply shocks to the baseline inflation they created with the funny money and COVID fascism, and push the Green New Deal, push centralized power, global power, and control our life, liberty, but 
now our bodies themselves. And I want to get into that a little bit more today. Um, for those of you who actually believe in fighting against tyranny, I support Patriot Academy, a uh, longtime sponsor of this show. My buddy Rick Green, he's America's Constitution Coach. He has a Constitution Coach program you could download and then teach it from his materials. You don't have to know it yourself. Uh, to as many people as you can get in your neighborhood to form these cells. It's got to be local. The way to fight globalism is through localism. Um, and that's what we need to do. That's what the Constitution Coach program is all about. So again, you could sign up today. Um, you don't have to know much about history of the Constitution or the law to get started on the courses. The courses are totally free. Hundreds of thousands of people have participated in Patriot Academy's courses with almost 100,000 in 2021 alone. And I will have information coming up soon at constitutioncoach.com on their next handgun constitution defensive handgun training course in Raton, New Mexico at NRA's facility there, um, May 22nd. So we're going to get more details for you there. But until now, go to patriotacademy.com. All right. So there's a really creepy, creepy article out this week at National Geographic, very long. It's titled, The Controversial Quest to Make a Contagious Vaccine. We talked about this a while ago um, when Johns Hopkins had a paper out a few years ago talking about self-spreading vaccines. And basically, they talk about a new technology that they want to spread on animals uh, to, to eradicate Ebola, rabies, all sorts of other ailments. Imagine a cure that's as contagious as the disease it fights, a vaccine that could replicate in a host's body and spread to others nearby quickly and easily protecting a whole population from microbial attacks. That's the goal of several teams around the world who are reviving controversial research to develop self-spreading vaccines. Now, you know when National Geographic is writing about this, this is not like something that they're dabbling in. This is something they have been dabbling in. And who's to say that the current one is not that? We don't even know if people like us, our control group, some of us that you know were able to not get the shots, because it's still not out of the realm of possibilities that this thing does spread like the way the pathogen does in a certain way with the lipid nanoparticles spreading the codes for the spike protein. There is evidence pointing to that on some level. This is what it's all about. It's a God complex. You have a bunch of utter maniacs running this world has nothing to do with who you elect in this election. You can't vote your way out of this until we isolate ourselves from this paradigm and destroy this entire paradigm. Because, you know, it's not the people you're voting for in legislative bodies that are doing this. I mean, most go along with it, and that's both parties are going along with it. But these nutcases that control the world, we are one big lab experiment to them. We talked yesterday in great detail about the injury in the military. I'm going to have about a 2,500-word report on summarizing that coming out today. It will be posted at The Blaze. And that's just a microcosm of what they've done to us and what they're going to continue doing to us. They have the technology to screw with our bodies without us even knowing. It's absolutely crazy. 
Their hope is to reduce infectious disease transmission among wild animals, thereby lowering the risk that harmful viruses and bacteria can jump from wildlife to humans, as many experts believe happened with SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, right. Researchers are currently developing self-spreading vaccines for Ebola, bovine tuberculosis, and Lassa fever. That's another one of those hemorrhagic uh, diseases, a viral disease spread by rats that causes upward of 300,000 infections annually in West Africa. The approach could be expanded to target other zoonotic diseases, including rabies, West Nile, Lyme disease, and the plague. Advocates for self-spreading vaccines say they could revolutionize public health by disrupting infectious diseases spread among animals before a zoonotic spillover could occur, potentially preventing the next pandemic. Watch all these phony conservatives to come out and say, oh, that's a really nice goal. Totally falling into the next trap. But others argue that the viruses used in these vaccines could themselves mutate, jump species, or set off a chain reaction with devastating effects across entire ecosystems. No kidding. So it's a two-pronged approach. One is they're actually going to spread pathogens that way. <laughs> That's number one. Under the guise of fighting them, which is what they've been doing for many years, unbeknownst to, to many of us. And, you know, I apologize for not having focused on this before COVID. I should have. But number two... Then they come up with the solution that we're just going to, to, you know, spread a vaccine in the air. You don't have to get a needle. You don't have to do anything. Mind your own business. We're saving the world. I mean, that's not even a jump from what has already occurred. From what has already occurred. You know, I was recently thinking, you know, what do we do? The problems are too enormous for any solution I'm proposing. And I will tell you, you know, when I propose solutions, they're temporary. They're just whatever I feel makes sense at the giving moment, what I think we could accomplish. But in terms of a long-term strategy, I humbly submit we all need to pray together, strategize together. Nothing any of us are proposing, myself including, speaks to the enormity of what we're confronted with. You know, back during the time of our founding, James Iredale, he was a... the most famous founder from North Carolina, one of the original Supreme Court justices, very instrumental in drafting Article 3 of the Constitution. He said at the North Carolina Convention, the only resource against usurpation is the inherent right of the people to prevent its exercise. But the problem is, with the, with the world we allowed them to create and the technology they created, I don't know if we have the ability to prevent its exercise we're going to talk about this a little bit with our guests, but I mean, you have from the health standpoint, God knows what they're doing with the 5G, creating the pathogens, creating the, the so-called vaccines, with our, which are like the pathogens, and then there's the banking, this entire concept of, you know, you talk about self-spreading tyranny, with central bank digital currencies. That's the whole thing they're they're pushing. Where every country could basically control the amount of money you have. They'll give you a digital currency and then they could give and take it away as needed. You know, if you're not supporting the the newest thing, they'll take away from you. If you're doing a real go- good job supporting it, they'll give you some some bony uh uh bonus brownie points. This is really scary. 
So, you know, we got to wake up before it's too late if it's not already too late. Moderna plans to develop mRNA vaccine to 15 pathogens identified as persistent global health threats. HIV, tuberculosis, malaria. And again, now that you guys have gotten a great education from some of the terrific scientists and doctors we've had on this show, you could fully appreciate that some of these are the worst candidates for vaccines, respiratory viruses. And again, they're not dabbling with them. This is not kind of a, you know, 50-year Manhattan project. They've already developed this. Put yourself in their shoes. Why should they stop? Oh, Daniel, they've been exposed. No, they haven't. By a small group of us. The, the, the enormity of what they've done, frankly, I haven't fully exposed yet. I think it's a lot worse than what I've been saying. But this is going to continue going on. Never forget the famous Bill Gates quote. The world today has 6.8 billion people. It's headed up to 9 billion. I said this about a decade ago. If we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health service, that means abortion, we can lower that by 15, by 10 to 15%. If we do a really good job on new vaccines, that's what he said. He said, if we do a really good job on new vaccines, we'll reduce the population. You tell me what that means. These people say openly what they're going to do. That's the thing. They're not shy about it. It's that we have a conservative movement that is attached to the Republican Party like in a homosexual relationship, and they refuse to get off of it. They refuse to open their hearts and minds to what's going on, what they have supported in Ukraine by getting us sucked into that and supporting the continuation of this war and funding it and the whole Russian sanction business. The same idiots that fell for the lockdowns and then for the mass and then for the shots. And to this day, almost all of them still do on the latter point. We don't have any representation. There is zero difference between the two parties. And the way the world is run today, any minor difference you could, you could come up with, it, it's obsolete. It's, it's an antiquated paradigm. Now, one thing you can do to take control of your health is to boost your immune system with ZStack from ZStackLife.com slash Daniel. If you put in promo code Daniel, you can get a small discount on your, your uh, pack of ZStack. It's a, a specially formulated pill with zinc, kirsten, vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, formulated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, the pioneering doctor on COVID treatment. And by the way, Dr. Zelenko has been talking a lot about preparing for the next pathogen, which they're going to foist upon us. So the one thing that always helps is to boost your uh, natural immunity, boost your health. Now more than ever is when you have to take control of your health. That's zstacklife.com slash Daniel, promo code Daniel. So just a couple of other agenda items here before we get to our guest. Um. There's a Japanese study I want to share with you. It's published in Curious. It's of death reports in older individuals in the days following the Pfizer shot. And they looked at Japan, the U.S., and Europe. I haven't read through the study yet. 
it's incurious um but the data from these three different regions all paint the same picture the findings suggest the existence of unknown predictors of the adverse events of SARS-CoV-2 vaccination, especially for the older Japanese population. The continuous and careful monitoring safety aspects of the vaccines are warranted. So even in open literature, they're saying, yeah, we need to monitor all this, you know, random death that we're seeing. And yet the mandates are still there. Still there. Much less taking it off the market. And not only that, Moderna came out yesterday that they were submitting authorization for babies and toddlers emergency even in their own study the absolute risk reduction went from zero to zero there were zero serious illness of covid and zero serious illness of covid in the placebo group something like 20 percent of kids got fever from the shot they admit that but as we well know that's not even the issue and again when you look at theirs and you see that most of the reported deaths are within a few days, that doesn't mean that it doesn't kill you later. That just means it's a confirmation bias, a selection bias of the user that, you know, those are the only people and someone dies of a heart attack, a stroke out of nowhere a few months later, they're never going to trace it back. Now, there still are a baseline of people that die suddenly from heart attacks even younger, but clearly a number of these people are from the shot. So we're going to talk a little bit with our guest on how to quantify that. But, you know, I had a conversation last night with Dr. McCullough about this. And he's of the strong belief that from the cardio issues, we're going to see multiple waves of deaths. And not waves related to multiple waves a vaccination take-up, meaning even from people that had a vaccine months ago. It's, it's, um, it's really two things. It's the micro-clotting that builds up. It's a cumulative effect. And then the latent heart inflammation. You know, so let's say, you know, we saw, okay, one in 4,000 teenage boys gets myocarditis. That's just what they saw people, you know, diagnosed with it right away. But the evidence now is showing with all these people dropping months later, you know, the Rafa Nadal situation, that you're going to see this for months to come. That they had, that so many more people had damaged hearts. Who's to say it doesn't damage everyone's heart? At this point, it's the onus is on them to prove that, that what I'm saying is not true when we have all these signals. And it's just a matter of time before it comes out. I mean, the amount of ways this thing could mess you up is truly a miracle. It's the work of Satan. I don't even understand how it's possible someone could have created a shot like this if they tried. If you tried to kill so many people. And it's perfectly designed to stagger it enough that they could continue and continue to cover it up. But it's our job to expose that. How are we going to expose this? So I've been mentioning all along that the Rosetta Stone to discovering and interpreting, deciphering the extent of this calamity 
will be all-cause mortality to the extent we have reliable data, and that's a whole nother story. But you can't miss all-cause mortality. Yes, there's long COVID. Yes, there's drug overdoses. Uh, there's suicides, and a lot of that was induced by the mass psychosis formation and everything else they're doing to destroy civilization, society, families, economy. But you can't miss the unmistakable timing uh, that we're seeing in so many places. You know, we talked yesterday about this data from Queensland, you know, where there's 3,000 excess deaths last year, and there were just seven COVID deaths. Now, since 2022, they had a lot more COVID, but uh, you know, by the end of 2021, there were seven COVID deaths, so you can't miss that. We know the lipid nanoparticles now go everywhere. We know what is going on in the military with young people having strokes and heart attacks and blood clots and cancers is out of control. I mean, I have that confirmed. We have the data now. Where are we picking this up in the broad general population and is this going to come to a head? Is this going to change financially? For example, will life insurance companies finally begin doing the opposite of what everyone threatened, you know, to go after unvaccinated people and saying, no, if you got the jabs, you now have, you know, 5,000 different ailments you can get. Uh, your premiums will go up. And will that shut it off? Or is wokeness more profitable than typically following logic? You know, typically if a product or service works, it, it has staying power. If not, it goes by the wayside. So a couple of weeks ago, we had Edward Dowd on to give us kind of that data-driven Wall Street investment view of the shots. Are they up? Are they down? We know the science about it, the medical standpoint, but in the financial world, uh, uh, you know, Ed obviously worked many years in Wall Street. He worked for BlackRock. Uh, worked as a hedge fund manager. He was with the best of them, and some of those guys are really part of the cabal now, and we, we definitely want to talk about that. And he gave a little bit of an optimistic uh, tone for us, and I want to see if that's still still persi persisting. So, Ed, really appreciate you joining us on short notice. Thanks so much for returning to Blaze Media. Great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to... Uh, talk about what I've discovered with my uh, insurance industry expert partner. So obviously, I know you can't reveal who this individual is, but you've been putting out somewhat of a complex system of graphics on all-cause mortality. Could you Now, obviously, we don't have visuals here, but could you take us through it slowly to demonstrate the magnitude of what you're seeing with excess mortality, who it's affecting, and the timing of it. Sure. So uh, two things. Uh, we came out about a week and a half, two weeks ago with some CDC data. So this is CDC data. And we were looking for something else. We were looking to see if all-cause mortality trends were continuing into 2022. And in the process of doing that, uh, we discovered some things that were quite shocking. Uh, my partner just uh, discovered that you could break... The, the CDC presents all-cause mortality for all ages, and they have some graphs on their website. And they're not very, you know, they, they are somewhat revealing. They show all-cause mortality has continued into 2021 into 2022, but they lump it all together with all ages. So he, he discovered that um, they, gave, they provided the age data, so he was able to break down himself 
the age data and, you know, break it into different cohorts. And we, he started slicing the data. He created his own baselines. He does have actuarial training. So he was able to come up with a baseline that he calculated from 2015 through 2019 for each age group. And the smoking gun we found was the millennial cohort, 25 to 45, 44 or so. And uh, what we saw was a rise into the um, end of 2020, uh, a, you know, a decline, uh, a, a small decline. Then, then like a growth stock, went to new highs. And the highs were alarmingly uh, seen into the September, the August, September, October timeframe, where it literally uh, spiked um, in such a, a grand fashion that we came to the conclusion that it had to have been the vaccines. It was the only answer for us. Um, and it, it was, a you know, just to give you an idea, mathematically, uh, millennials have experienced an 84% increase in all-cause all mortality into the fall of uh, 2021. That's above the baseline. And they, they didn't experience that into, into the end of 2020. So, you know, the, the argument has been and you've heard it too, that while, you know, suicides are up, drug overdoses are up, and, you know, Delta was hitting around then. Well, a couple things. Um, it, you know, as a Wall Street guy and as someone who understands statistics, when you look at the rate of change, and again, we don't have the graphics, but the acceleration into the fall was such a, a fantastic rate of change, second derivative rate of change, that you can't say everyone decided to commit suicide <laughs> in a three-month time. Everybody didn't miss their cancer screenings in a three-month time frame. Everybody didn't get Delta and decide to die in a three-month time frame. Um, so that, uh, you know, we made a lot of uh, headlines talking about that data. I made uh, the claim that uh, the government policies uh, through the vaccination mandates has killed people, and I use the term democide. Um, then, uh, most recently, uh, he looked at the data and he sliced it down uh, in a different way into states according to high vaccination versus low vaccination rate. So we took the most highly vaccinated states and we took the lowest vaccinated states and we saw that for the lowest vaccinated states into that fall time frame, the mandate time frame, they had a 107% increase in, uh, in, in, in excess mortality versus uh, the highly vac vaccinated states only still are uh, still terrible at 53%. So the thesis we had was, well, these people were forced to get the jabs and, and, and then they, um, you know, had, had an acute response, meaning death. Now the argument could have been said, Hey, that was Delta. And, and it makes sense because in the low vaccinated states, they got Delta and they died. Well, we, we, uh, you, you can dispel that because when you look at the rate of acute death, it, sp it spiked into the fall, then fell off sharply after the fall for those lowest vaccinated states. That's number one. So it wasn't Delta. If Delta would have lingered around and kept it elevated, it immediately fell back down. The other uh, issue is we broke it down by age in those states. And um, the oldest cohort, uh, died uh, the, the millennial cohort um had excess deaths in that time frame of 7x the oldest cohort so it wasn't delta so this you know we're slicing the data a bunch of different ways there was an event into the fall the fall the event was the mandates and there were spikes 
So where are we now? Well, you know, this data is out there. This data that we've created is being recreated by other actuaries anonymously who are on Twitter and Getter saying, yeah, I'm seeing the same thing. So we can have a debate about what that spike was. I'm pretty, I'm up, I'm 100% of, of the opinion it's the vaccines. Um, but the purpose for what we were trying to do is get break this into the national conversation. And interestingly enough, yesterday or and, uh, a day or so, so ago, Reuters wants to fact check me. An AP wants to fact check me. They came into my DMs on Twitter. Uh, we know with these fact checkers, they're, you know, the 25-year-old fact checkers, you do not respond. Any quote you give them will be used against you. So I've just ignored them. Smart move there. I mean, I've definitely experienced that. Everything I put out has been fact checked, all brought to you by uh, Big Pharma. It's all paid for by them. Um, you know, well, you're saying 25 to 44-year-olds. It's interesting because we've spent a lot of time. I'm going to have a huge report coming out later today. We spoke about it yesterday on the DMED data in the military. Military is a, a primarily a young population, very much 20s and 30s. Um, and the type of sharp increases is what the d data produced by those whistleblowers were seeing at a micro level. So it does reflect that. Now, we talked a lot about the sudden people dropping dead of heart attacks and strokes and blood clotting, micro clotting. That's a very rolling, subtle, gradual thing that I think we're going to capture over time. But I think what you seem to be picking up are the immediate deaths, the, the ones that are probably within a week or two or a few days of the shots. Um, a lot of the scientists we've had on talked about the buffers being more stabilized uh, when the boosters came out, but it's not just boosters. It's if you know, if that was your first shot, because the mandates, particularly on the young workforce, that's when we saw the big take up for younger adults during that time frame you talked about. So that's the picture of pains to me. Um, you get percentages, but could you give us a sense of raw numbers? How many? What what sort well, of human toll is that? Well, the raw numbers for the millennial cohort between March of 2021 and February of 2022 was 61,000. Um, so that's that's if you if that's excess death above the baseline. Um, and again, the thing to understand is in 2020 we didn't we didn't you know we didn't have that. Uh, I don't have the 2020 number in front of me, but in, if you look at the graph, it's, wait, 2020 it's was not above the preceding baseline. No, it was, but it was, but we went to new highs into the yeah. into the fall mandate, and it was a total of sixty one thousand. Yeah, I mean, because so we had a hundred thousand drug overdoses in twenty twenty, um, so you know, twenty twenty one, we don't have the data yet. It could be one hundred and five thousand, but it's not going to blow that out. So you're saying it wouldn't account right. well, for, so, you know, eighty four percent increase. No, no, no. This is this is the this is sixty one thousand above the baseline between 2015 and 2019, uh, all cause mortality. Now, ex you got to remember, drug overdoses aren't necessarily excess deaths. It's excess above trend line, right? So, yeah. I mean, when, when, when you're looking at baselines, that includes drug overdoses, that includes traffic accidents. So this is, we're just looking at statistical above what was running prior to the pandemic. Um, and sure, drug overdoses have ticked up, but they, they were always there. They were there in 2015, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, right? So we're just looking at the statistical anomaly of this acceleration into the fall. It was 61,000 between March of 
2021 and February of 2022. That's 61,000 above what was baselining before. That's a Vietnam War for the millennials in a, in a one-year time frame. And if that's not shocking and uh, eye-popping, I don't know what is. And it can't, can't be explained by cancer, drug overdoses, traffic accidents, uh, there's, and, and it can't end COVID because, you know, the variants are becoming, uh, becoming less virulent. Um, we have, quote-unquote, miracle vaccines. And, you know, the pandemic has been declared over by the Biden administration and Fauci, right? So what is explaining this? I, I point to the vaccine. Yeah, and obviously we've done a lot of shows. We do believe Delta, the increased virulence, a lot of that actually is vaccine injury. That's the ADE, the original antigenic sin, pathogenic priming. Um, you know, this is Gert Vandenbosch's whole theory. So there's there's a lot of that going on too. But I, state by state, I've seen the data um, when we came out with the Indiana in, um, insurance data. You you could literally point to every last person who died from COVID in that age group. We have the numbers. Um, and, you know, there were people who got sick, uh, too sick, and that's the whole issue with denial of treatment. There weren't that many deaths, and, and you know, before you get to the middle-aged uh, age group. But you go to middle age, you go, uh, you know, above that, people in their 50s. What are you seeing there? Why would there be such a huge difference? I mean, did you see excess deaths? I mean, I'm sure you, ha- you had to have some excess deaths from COVID. Yeah, so, so, so we're talking about Gen X, right? Basically, into early boomers or late yeah. boomers, well, whatever. I'll, I'll talk, I'll talk, let me let me go to the graphs. I just gotta. Um, yeah. So you know, if you so if you give me the next yeah, twenty so, year tranche. Yeah. So the Gen X excess mortality uh, also saw a spike because some of them are still working. Um, it wasn't uh, quite as acute as the millennial cohort, but it it did rise. And um, it was it was it was it wasn't much better than um, the millennials. I mean, it was bad. So the numbers we came up with there are about one hundred one thousand excess deaths in in the um, in the in the Gen X uh, cohort. And and you know, look, that makes sense. It's going to be more than uh, the millennials just because you know they're older and that you know that it you know, when you get in your fifties, if you haven't taken care of yourself, there are lots of issues. So, I mean, yeah. it's not surprising that there were 101,000. We focused on the millennials primarily because these are supposedly healthy, younger people. And the acceleration we saw there was in my mind, the smoking gun. But the point is the Gen X people didn't do well. The baby boomers didn't do well. I think, uh, I don't have the number in front of me. I used to have it at the top of my head, but there was a, you know, uh, the baby boomers. So here's the baby boomer graph. They had a big spike into these are people age 65 plus. They had a big spike into the end of 2020. We can this is before the vax. We can identify that as prevention of early treatment and incentives at hospitals to literally yes. kill people. Yes, that's then, that's. Then it came down. Then it came down uh, almost to baseline. Then it and then as the uh, vaccines rolled out. And, and, and what have you. And mandates affected them as well, because some of these people are retired but need to work at Walmart or whatever. It spiked up and uh, it's it's almost it's basically it almost went to the same high as 2021. Uh, um, uh, well, no, actually, it, it, it uh, oh, I'm looking at this wrong. So, no, we uh, we had a spike into the end of 2020. Then the vaccines were introduced and we had a spike into that. And then we now have a spike almost as high as the early, uh, early, early vax uh, 
killing of the... Um, How long is that going the, on? You're saying through December? Uh, this is through January of 2022. So it almost, it almost went to as high as, uh, uh, as the early vax. So, so that's very disturbing. Is, that is very... Wait a yeah. minute. That, that's, a, that's another... So you're focusing on millennials, and, and I understand because it's, it's a cleaner... Um, contrast because it's a cleaner signal. It's a cleaner, it's cleaner signal. Cleaner signal, but still, even with with the with seniors, what I don't like what you're saying is we all see July, August, September, October is confusing because you had a lot of vaccines going on preceding that. Although the seniors got it earlier, um, but then you did have Delta, which again, in my view and the view of uh, Gert Vandenbosch, it is that was the virulence of Delta was due to the uptake of the vaccines and the viral immune escape. But be it as it may, you could blame that on Delta, which certainly was very problematic for seniors. But you're telling me we have that December, January continuing when we have Omicron. Correct. So so between uh, Jan and Feb of 2022, uh, we spiked. So between August and December of 2021, we had a 21% increase in excess mortality, uh, and then and then it dipped into uh, September, November, October, September, October, November. Then it rose to almost the early vac high of 2020, 2021, and was up 34% into January, February of 2022. So the, the, we we view that as the boosters coming in. And yeah, so basically with Omicron, seniors started to literally accelerate into the beginning of the year. Okay, I know this is a big I mean, project, bottom, but are you able the bottom, to... The bottom, line, yeah. the bottom line is this. We focus on the millennials because we, we want to show that you know, vaccines are the cause. But the damage being done is across all... I don't want to minimize the damage being done in Gen X and baby boomers and, all, and you know, now kids. Um, it's, it's a disaster. I mean, it's not good. And the one thing I want to say, um, is I did see a tweet, uh, today. Someone's, someone, uh, put out CDC data. I haven't, my guy hasn't verified this just cause he's busy, but it did show an uptick in the March, um, in the millennial cohort, meaning it's, it's rising again into March. Uh, and, that and bothers so, me. So, and I, yeah. So, so bottom line is this. If this was, if everything was fine, and the vaccine was working, excess mortality should be trending towards baseline. It's now reaccelerating again in the March, and that's that, that's on Twitter. I haven't verified that, but that we were the original reason we went into this data set was to see if these trends were continuing for all cause mortality for all ages. We we didn't when we then found we could parse the data by age. And we were originally looking for this uptick, and it looks like that today some people are working on this, that the uptick could be appearing. We haven't verified that yet, but I'm not – to be honest, I'm probably of the opinion that that's, good, that's probably good data from this guy on Twitter. For, you know, that, I'm saying that now. I might yeah. change my mind, but – And and it would be very telling. It would be very telling because I do under my understanding is CDC often will take maybe six to eight weeks to fully update their data. It's backfilled. Um, So they keep adding to debt. So so, if if you're right, if you're already above baseline at this stage for February, it could be those numbers will even grow. Correct. Correct. And it looks like, you know, 
this this person is updated a little bit in the March, the first week of March. Um, but that's that's you know the the problem for millennials has been uh, their excess deaths are lagging beyond the, the total all you know for all ages because millennials tend to die not in the hospital, um, and 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 when you die in the hospital, it's reported quicker to the CDC. Mm. So there is a, a bigger lag for millennials. So this this person on Twitter put out for millennials that it's like rising into March. And so if that's true, which I, you know, to be honest, I think it is, we have a big problem, Daniel. I mean, this is, this is, this, this disaster is continuing to grow. And, you know, a lot of the fanfare that and media attention that I've gotten has been on acute deaths. I mean, we haven't even begun to talk about the disabled and injured, which continue to grow. And that's a problem as well. I mean, you take just something like tinnitus, which seems very mild compared to cancer and heart disease and strokes, but it could destroy someone's life. I mean, and and you have hundreds of thousands of these around the world, 20,000 cases already reported to theirs. And that's just one neurological uh, malady. There's so many others. So my question to you is at what point does money talk and BS walk. I mean, ideological people will always avoid discussing this. They'll always deny it. But for the people that make money off of this and all these woke CEOs um, that are involved in insurance, at what point does science and data kick in? Well, the good news is this. Um, I've been with my media 15 minutes of fame insurance industry folks have reached out to me anonymously and they they are of the opinion there's a signal here and the the problem as you know is the insurance industry is not as quick as wall street uh they don't react to data as quickly as we do and and it's it's kind of a slower moving industry and they everyone in those those companies all got mandated to get jabs so there's a bit of cognitive dissonance so the good news is the worm's turning there uh, the other good news is, is my my um, my my partner is um, potentially going to be coming public on his own in his on his own in his own way soon, and that might get the insurance co- companies to look at this. We'll see. Wow, no, that's that's definitely interesting. So so you're saying insurance companies will take longer, Wall Street's quicker, but even in Wall Street, we see it with so many other things. Wall Street doesn't work by logic anymore. Um, it it almost seems like they have more lives than the Catwoman. No matter what happens to the global supply chains, no matter what earnings reflect, no matter um, what the products and services some of these companies produce, uh, you know, live up to the standard or not. No matter what, the stock market keeps getting juiced up. Who's juicing it up, and who's to say Pfizer and Moderna won't have a turnaround? Um, well, we've had what we call a counter trend rally since February 24th. I mean, there was a nice sell off in the February 24th and, you know, it gets oversold. The good, the, the, the bad news for those who are bullish is that we're already three standard deviations overbought. Um, the market does feel like it's being propped up and there was something that occurred on Friday into a uh, quad witching options expiration. There was, um, a volume of call options that was so large, it was like more than a year's worth of call option volume. And uh, my uh, potential future partner, because I'm working on starting a hedge fund, told me he doesn't think that's a hedge fund or hedge funds. It's it's someone bigger. So something's going on uh, that we've never seen before. The, the volume 
in the options market. So it, it seems to me, and you know, this is conspiratorial, but it seems to me uh, this market's being propped up by the, by a hidden hand at the moment. But it can't look; they can't keep it propped up forever. That's the problem. I, I, I could swear it seems like that since you know the pandemic. It just seems like it always comes back. They always do well. Um, it defies, you know, typically the market was much more closely tethered to the real economy. It just seems like it's its own game, and it, it really does make me wonder. I mean, that's that's the thing, because we're watching Pfizer and Moderna, despite everything. It's not even like they're, you know, kind of quietly um, gliding into the next thing. I mean, they are working on other shots. They're, they're going big. I mean, they're going for number four. They're both submitting... Uh, authorization for babies. So something, someone is continuing to prop this up. Um, and, and my concern is well, that well, it's going to keep going on. Well, they can, they, look, if you're, if you're, look, if you're a CEO of a company and you get a product that is killing people and you know it, but you're, you're playing legal games. So, you know, if you notice what the CEO of Pfizer said, he kind of came out, and kind of said, oh, you know, I was surprised we went with this technology. And then two days later, he says, we're going to go with the fourth shot. It's kind of this gaslighting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm creating legal cover if, if, if this thing gets upended by saying, oh, I, you know, it wasn't my fault that we went with the mRNA technology. I, I listened to what people told me. And then he goes and says, we're going to go with the fourth booster. I mean, that, that, seems, that seems like let's get as much money in the bank as we can to defend ourselves from what's coming. I mean, it's really sick, but that, that you know, it, there's something super wrong uh, in the pharmaceutical industry. And, and, and they're creating cover uh, publicly at the same time pushing forward. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It's, it's gaslighting writ large in my mind. So in, in our remaining time here, I want to transpose from their control over our body to their control over our money and economy um, this has really been your bread and butter most of your career, understanding the economy, understanding the flow of money. So what's your what's your big picture view on on taking all the shocks to the system that we have, this baseline of, of inflation created from all the spending, all the debt, then you have the cancel culture against Russia, the disrupt the this disrupt disruption of all the supply chains which were already strained from the lockdowns. Um, the energy spike, the food spike. Um, I understand politically where they're headed and why they're doing this, but could you give us more from an economist standpoint, where do you see our economy going in the next few months? Sure, no problem. So, you know, one thing to understand is everyone talks about the dollar being destroyed. Well, uh, since uh, June of last year, uh, we've been on a tear in the dollar. So the dollar is in a, in an uptrend. Um, so why is that? Well, it's because the dollar, uh, a strong dollar is in, indicative of a, a credit, uh, problem, meaning, um, there's liquidity leaving the system. So what we have coming is a, is a, is a collapse in, uh, financial assets. Um, we have a liquidity crunch coming and, and so inflation's all the rage right now. I, I would say that, Inflation has not been as much of a monetary uh, phenomenon as it has been supply shocks. And mm. some of those could be intentional or unintentional. So, you know, there's data showing that since 83, 
that when oil and commodity prices rise, there's 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 also a rise in, in the short term interest rates. The Fed the Fed's discount rate goes up. This this phenomenon, this rise in commodity prices, has not seen a subsequent rise in interest rates. So it's it's more supply shock based, which is interesting. So I, I will I will say something that might be a little controversial. I think we're going to see a, a, an economic downturn, recession in the third quarter. Um, and I think we're going to see a collapse in commodity prices subsequently as demand destruction begins. I think the dollar continues to go up and there's going to be a credit crunch across the globe, a liquidity crisis. And that's why they need to, you know, eventually turn to these um, digital currencies, because it's kind of, we're kind of at the end of the grand cycle of the creation since the Federal Reserve's creation in 1913. I mean, I've seen studies that the Fed is trapped. They can't. You know, this whole rate hike cycle they've been talking about is over before it began because the market does leave the Fed. That's a little known secret. And the market uh, studies I've seen from some good, really smart people indicate that the Fed, the Fed's trapped. They can't raise because a raising of interest rates, uh, even tiny amounts, will cause the global leverage to kind of go the wrong way and collapse. So a collapse is coming, whether they exacerbate it uh, or not is the question. And I don't know if you saw on Wednesday, but the Federal Reserve only raised 25 basis points last week. And, so h- historically, um, we would see a huge rise in interest rates. But correct. It, but for correct. we've been going on 20 years, and they've been playing this game, and record debt, record spending, and until now, they've gotten away with it. Correct. But um, th- th- we're, you, you can see we're at the end game. And how do we know that? Well, um, look what's going on all around us. Look at COVID the last two years. I've, I'm coming to the conclusion that COVID was a convenient excuse for the, for the central banks to print gobs of money in 2020. And, and people think, oh, okay, well, you know, that saved the system. Well, the system needs constant credit creation. And eventually the math gets to the point where it's not about, you know, just printing 65%. You, you, it's the rate of change. You need to continue to pr- print money at an ever-increasing rate, and they can't do that because it's politically untenable. So that's where we are. Matt, the, the second derivative of money creation started rolling over at the end of last year, and and they, they need an excuse to print more money. They're not going to raise interest rates. I, I'll take I'll take a one dollar bet with you that nine months from now we're talking about them printing money and talking floating the idea of buying stocks. That's I I'll take that bet. <laughs> well. What I'm concerned about, you said we're headed towards digital currency. Um, so here's what I, I'd be remiss if I didn't get your take on this. You worked at BlackRock. Well, the CEO, Larry Fink, he was all over the news. He said, behaviors are going to have to change. And this is one thing we are asking companies. You have to force behaviors at BlackRock. We're forcing behaviors. And he talked about this digital currency. He said, you know, the whole Russia business and Ukraine has the potential impact on accelerating digital currencies. The war will prompt countries to reevaluate their currency dependency. Um, that really scares me because does that mean that the central banks in America will give me my allocated amount? And if I continue this podcast and they, they don't like what I'm saying, they say, well, that's 10% off your account. Well, you know, look, a digital currency um, takes away 
basically all our freedoms eventually. Now, if you think about this conceptually, they're going to be able to track everything you do. And if they don't like, you know, just if the, if the, um, the jour, uh, thing of the day is climate, uh, change and you go to buy, um, a steak and they say, you, you, you know, you, you've had enough steak this month. We're not going to let that transaction go through because they can track everything. That, that's where this goes ultimately. It's In other words, your entire control. life, your entire finances looks like healthcare. Looks, looks like the way healthcare already does. And that led to right. death panels, which we saw, you know, remdesivir clot shots is where it's at. Um, hydroxychloroquine ivermectin is worse than the Confederate flag. So, I mean, yeah. you just look at healthcare, and that's a microcosm, the dumpster fire they created over the last half century. Uh, that's where it's headed. This really scares me. By the way, Larry Fink was also talking about that. He said that the whole Russia thing, and this is why I call it the second half of the Great Reset, it's the second half, it will actually accelerate the shift toward greener sources of energy in many parts of the world. Well, there's clearly a plan uh, by individuals to push um, their agendas. And the digital currency, you know, look, if you and I have all watched dystopian movies and a digital currency, in my opinion, is the ultimate dystopian movie. I mean, all freedoms are gone, and, 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 and technocrats will dictate what you can and can't do via your, uh, your digital currency, and they'll be able to track everything. And Visa's already floating the idea of, you know, voluntarily, you know, you can you know, sign up to this program to monitor your uh, carbon credits, and then when you get to your certain allocation, it'll shut. It won't let you let the transaction go. It's all voluntary at the moment, but that, that, you know that's we know where that goes. So wh- wh- where do we head? I mean, typically we could count on the fact go, going back to the life insurance we're talking about that big business would be a bulwark against radical destruction. I mean, historically, the far left control the anarchist communists. They controlled media, entertainment, foundations, academia for sure. But business kind of worked on dollars and cents, um, C-E-N-T-S, but also S-E-N-S-E, a common sense. But now all these people like the BlackRock CEO, they're bought into this. They, their model is built off of it. So who is going to be the bulwark against this collapse? It's not going to be it's not going to be Wall Street. Well, Wall, Wall Street will fall the profits, um, but. You know, they also will follow, you know, Pfizer and Moderna into, into the toilet if, if it can be proven. And it looks like it's increasingly being proven that um, there's fraud there. But let's talk about the global economy and the, and the U.S. economy. The problem, as I see it, is since the great financial uh, crisis in 2008-9, the, the, the fraud never left the system. It went on the central, balance, balance, uh, central bank's balance sheets and then government started stimulus spending and had to borrow, which the central banks, uh, you know, uh, propped up through quantitative easing. So we've had this debt binge. And as as a result of that, the economy never really, really recovered. I mean, this has been 12 years of kind of really sluggish growth. But what has happened is, you know, I'll just use the U.S. as an example. Um, The percent of the GDP that the U.S. government spend has, has occupied has only grown. And, you know, you, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it was 10, 15 percent of the of the GDP. Uh, after COVID, it was 40 percent of U.S. GDP. So you, you say, to you, why, why, isn't, why aren't businesses um, 
fighting this? Well, because they are in many ways slaves of the U.S. government spend. And that's why you see so many industries mandating these vaccines. You know, PwC has a lot of government contracts. That's, you know, a consulting accounting firm. Uh, Wall Street, you know, they're they're tied to the hip with uh, the government through, um, you know, the, the, the primary uh, bond dealerships. So you, you, you see you see that uh, as the government grows, the Leviathan grows, they can dictate terms to corporations. It's really insidious. So this is a problem. So what, when does this come apart? You know, when I was uh, a kid. I was watching Ross Perot give his lectures, you know, with those charts, and we're talking about three billion in three tr- three trillion in debt. Um, it's grown ten times as much. Uh, just the U.S. federal budget is more than double it was when I started my career talking about you know the annual, annual budget bills and you know using leverage on the budget fights in Congress. Um, every year it just goes up and up and up. So. At what point does it cause irrevocable inflation? Because I was actually surprised. So you were you were saying your your belief is it's more of a supply shock. Um, what's reflected in these high prices than traditional inflation? So my understanding of inflation was always when you throw more money into an economy faster than the economy is growing to reflect that. Um, well, so it, it, why aren't we at that point? Hard. It's certainly part of it, but let's—if you think about what's going on when when Biden jumped into uh, office, his first order was to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. So every policy action has been to destroy domestic production of oil, um, and then COVID mandates and the continuing COVID—I would say—crisis um, has been through government policy has created a labor shortage. Okay. So price, you know, people don't have enough workers, so prices are going up. And then we have the Ukraine war, which, you know, caused food prices to suddenly jump. And you see, you know, Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. So grain and fertilizer are going through the roof. So, you know, if I was, you know, to say um, what's going to happen this summer, I think food prices are going to go through the roof. I think fuel prices are going to go through the roof. Eventually that'll collapse as, you know, the financial markets collapse. But I think in the very short term, next six months, we're going to see a decrease in financial assets in terms of deflation there and inflation in things you need. So, but eventually everything, eventually there will be def- deflation unless they decide to, you know, print their way out of it. And then, it, then we get hyperinflation. So there's going to be like wobbles in different, different regimes. Right now we're in an inflationary regime. We'll get to a deflationary regime for a, a short bit of time and then they'll print. And then that's when that, the next the next printing uh, phase will be when we really have to worry about the dollar. The dollar's in an uptrend. So the dollar actually, the end of the dollar, in a very strange way, uh, if, you, if you're bearish on the dollar long term, you want to see it go up. Uh, and that's the destruction of the dollar, because that means there's a credit crisis across the globe. Then they introduce the digital currency. We're no longer the world's reserve currency. And then the dollar collapses. So the dollar to collapse has to go through the roof. And that, that's we're in the process of it going through the roof. That's what it it's is. We are like clay molded in the hands of these globalist leaders. Our bodies, our finances, there is nothing that will be untouched if we don't stop and fight this. 
Um, it's an information war, and the best we can do now is get out information. We have to see where we take this to the next step. So certainly, um, we'll be following your work. Again, where could our listeners uh, find your work and, and find what you're doing? Um, on Twitter, for now, at Dowd Edward, D-O-W-D Edward, and on Getter, at Edward Dowd. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm dropping stuff. I'm some of my friends want me to start a website, so I may do that. We'll see. That sounds exciting. We need we need more people coming from your background to give us that perspective. Really appreciate you as always. Looking forward to having you back. Um, thanks so much for joining us again. Thanks, Daniel. So there you have it, folks. A great analysis of both the data on vaccine injury and economic analysis where we stand. Um, this is going to be the vexing question going forward. How do we are sh- shield our bodies and how do we shield our, our money and economy? How do we create a parallel economy? But this is all induced by the massive growth of government that, that the Republican Party is just as involved. In fact, you know, I was writing a piece today on Republicans in the Armed Services Committee. They wrote a letter to pr- pr- President Biden demanding that he spend even more money on the military. That's their one hill, their only hill to die on. For as long as I've been following budget battles in Congress, you know, we could have the world coming apart, and usually you would fight for that in the budget. No, we want even more spending. So the lefts are, all right, you want more military spending, so you have to give us this and this on domestic. And they would get together, and you had more domestic spending, more military spending. And, you know... We know all you're doing is pumping more money into the woke military, right? It's as if this old like paradigm from Reagan that it automatically benefit, benefits our side to spend more money on the military, but it's not true. It's a policy problem in the military. We have a woke military that teaches racism, the homosexual agenda, the women in combat business. They just lowered the standards again on, on one of the tests just to accommodate that, the mandates, kicking out our best soldiers from the military, the aimless national security vision from the Pentagon, not just aimless, but but completely backwards, getting us involved in what we shouldn't be and keeping us weak in terms of our deterrent of China and our border. It's not a money problem. You spend more money, you're, you're actually funding all that stuff, like every conservative understood, oh my gosh, I don't want to give more money to the EPA or HUD or whatever. And they did anyway. They always agreed to it. But oh man, I want to give more to the military. Nope. You're going to get the same policies out of that. So that's their big leverage that they're fighting for. That's their hill to die on. That's the prize for giving the left everything they want is that we fund the woke military even more. They want $880 billion in defense spending up a hundred billion because they're saying inflation and then they want more on top of that. So, you know, over time, that's what induces this vicious cycle with the credit market, with the Federal Reserve's policies and where we are today. And then obviously, the masters of the universe are going to keep inducing these great, great reset catalyzing events or taking advantage of them create supply shocks, and then lo and behold, they control everything. So in other words, to, to sum up everything today, everything going on, it's not just politics anymore. You literally can't move anywhere in your life without understanding this, navigating it, 
and solving these issues. What is the solution? That's something we all need to prey upon. But for now, the first step in that solution is properly diagnosing the problem, recognizing, acknowledging the scope and magnitude of the problem, and slaying all the golden calves that we've held onto for so many years as the solution. <laughs> One of them, like, more military spending, or this, you know, vote Republican. None of that speaks to the challenges we're confronted with. That's what this show is all about, confronting the challenges that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. That's why I need you to be an ambassador to this show to make sure we spread the word before we start being censored. They're actually looking at iTunes now. Brookings wrote a whole paper, and they named me as one of the ones spreading Russian disinformation. So we're waiting for that. So if iTunes kicks me off, you could always get us at The Blaze. We're independent in that respect. So we'll always be there, Blaze Podcast. Um, but until then, please give us a five-star rating with a comment on iTunes. It certainly helps us spread the word over the Teletubby conservative talk shows. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.